The Tech Marketers Group was formed to connect, engage and inform the marketers in New Zealand working for tech, SaaS, professional services and in high-tech marketing roles through operations, automation, CRM and digital marketing. Welcome to the New Zealand Tech Marketers Podcast, our NZ Tech Marketers Group Passion Project, where we interview inspiring Kiwi marketers working in some of New Zealand's leading tech brands. We are very excited for you to join us today for this episode of the New Zealand Tech Marketers Podcast and enjoy this interview with Caroline Francis, who will tell you about her story from customer services rep to a senior marketing executive to her current role as a virtual CMO. With over 25 years of experience across a range of diverse business sectors and organizations, Caroline has worked in the tech and innovation space for the majority of her career and is also a founding member of the NZ Tech Marketers Group and is one of the TMG mentors. Today, Caroline will talk to us about her experience in the Tech Marketers Group, mentoring and advice for NZ Tech Marketers. Can you tell us more about your experience and how you ended up in the tech marketers and innovation space? Sure, so a bit of a checkered story. Um, I didn't really love school, so I decided after my sixth form year, that's probably showing my age because we didn't have grades or anything then, um, we, uh, I decided to go to university early and you could. So out of sixth form, um, I went to AUT. Um, I had the privilege of working in a number of um, a number of corporates through my school because of my dad's work um, and had exposure to the real world. So I decided that I wanted to work um, pretty much straight away. My dad convinced me, however, at 16, that maybe I was a little bit young and uh, should go to university to at least do a diploma so that I would have the business acumen to be able to land a job. Uh, my career ambitions at that point were to be a PA. I absolutely loved organizing things and running events. And I thought that was probably the closest I would ever get to being in a senior position. So I kind of fancied myself as um, a PA for a general manager or you know a senior executive. So I took my dad's advice, went into AUT and they took a look at my grades um, and they said, well, you know, you could do a diploma, but you're, you've got enough credits to actually do a degree. So my dad's eyes lit up and he, uh, he basically convinced me that, yeah, a diploma wasn't good enough when I signed up um, for a four and a half year degree instead of my one year certificate. So um, trudged through university, um, loved it, um, did a major and double major in marketing and management and really loved the marketing side. Yes. So out of the back of uni, one of the beautiful things about AUT is they placed you for six months in a real job. So I worked um, for Blue Star Automation at the time um, on a number of marketing projects, loved it. And out of the back of graduation, um, got my very first job with TNT Couriers, which I think in our DHL. Um, and I worked in the um, account as an account manager for medium-sized businesses and quickly realized that sales definitely wasn't my gig. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> So decided to move move out of that space and tech was just by chance. So I'd only been, I guess, in my role for about 18 months. So fresh out of university, um, only very early 20s. And a friend said, oh, why don't you come um, and work for a friend of mine who worked at a company called Hitachi Data Systems. So um, off I went. Um, and my role there was in channel marketing. So activating the partner community and um, a little bit of selling through, but mostly influencing the channel. And from there, I moved to Sydney. 
um, and very quickly after that, um, built a career in general marketing as marketing manager across global projects, um, building teams, coaching people, which I totally love, and we'll talk about some more. And then in 2008, moved back to New Zealand um, and started to work for Kiwi companies who were taking on the world. Wow, that's really impressive. Um, just going on a bit more from that side, um, what were your, what have been your core roles compared to what you're doing today and how has it changed over time? So I've uh, had the fortunate uh, privilege of working for a number of really great tech organisations, small to large, starting off, as I mentioned, as channel marketing manager for Hitachi Data Systems um, here in New Zealand. When I moved over to Australia, um, I worked for 3Com um, and in the marketing communications and events team. Um, it was just as at the, at the time they spun off a company called Palm Pilot, which was a little, I guess, a smartphone of the time without the phone, um, yeah. a little organizer. Um, so yeah, way back in 99 when they were doing that. And um, yeah, that was my foray into kind of managing events and communications in a, in a tech company who was reinventing itself <clears throat> after the Palm Pilot spin-off. Yeah. Um, did that for a wee while and then the senior leader at Hitachi in Australia came and knocked on my door and said, look, we need somebody to head up our marketing. You get our business, would you come in and do that? So it was my um, opportunity to step into a marketing manager's role. So I went and did that for a wee while. Um, after cool. that, I yeah. After that, I worked for um, Datacom in Australia. So in Australia, mostly they had outsourced telemarket. Uh, sorry, tele services, mm -hmm. um, services. But they had started a new marketing services division, and so they asked if I would go and be the general manager of marketing services and building that organisation. So um, there was actually a little bit too much selling in that role too for my liking. Although I had a team of twenty people and was a really great experience of understanding um, the customer. So really old school telemarketing. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that was a really interesting gig. But like I said, too much selling for me. So I moved into um, a role with AMD, Advanced Micro Devices, and again, in a marketing manager's capacity with a team of people. And that was really my first foray into strategy. I um, was approached by the sales team with a problem. And the problem there was the average selling price of our product was being undercut locally in the market. And that was the result of gray marketing. So gray marketing is where you know, someone who has um, relationships with companies in China or in the States or elsewhere yeah. buys product offshore, brings it in at a lower cost and undercuts the margin of the, of the local business. So um, there was a massive problem and we were losing revenue. And so the sales manager came to me and said, we need to fix this. What can we do? So I was given the challenge um, and ended up flying to Austin and Texas to meet with uh, corporate and um, was then flown to Singapore to meet with the very revered head of the factory where they made the, the chips, microchips, um, and spoke to them about the supply chain. So how could we, if there was a way, to track the product from production through to when somebody purchased it? Yeah. So it was a really interesting project and, you know, mapping out that full end-to-end -end supply chain journey, which was, you know, outside of a marketing remit, really, um, but such an amazing opportunity for me to grow my career, to influence people that I had zero authority over <laughs> and 
to lead a really, really significant project. So we worked through a Singapore agency to build a loyalty program. And that loyalty program saw um, the resellers and the OEMs of this product scan barcodes of the products they were purchasing locally, uploading those barcodes. And then we were able to track the source of that product. So very quickly, we were able to stamp out gray market it by going and seeing the people who were doing it, shutting it down. Um, But as a consequence, we were able to build this really amazing community of followers because when when we had them scan the barcodes, we gave them points in this reward system that they could buy merch they could buy t-shirts or pins or posters for their walls they could get mdf marketing funds um, they got free tickets to events that we were hosting and our events went from 50 person attendance to 300 plus person attendance because again if you attended those you got extra points so we were able to build this really amazing following and community whilst at the same time resolving this gray marketing issue so yeah a grow market issue. So yeah, amazing project to be a part of and really loved my my time at AMD. Shortly after that was approached by uh, VMware. They were starting out in the Australian New Zealand market and wanted somebody to come in with a blank sheet of paper and create a marketing strategy and plan and a marketing function. So there's not very many times in a career you get um, the opportunity to create something from literally nothing. Um, So I took on that challenge and worked with the uh, general manager for Australia New Zealand to build that strategy and build a team and and execute that growth. And that was at the same time as um, EMC had acquired VMware as part of their their product suite. Um, So then corporate marketing, I shoulder tapped me to come and work with with them. Um, So I worked in the marketing team at EMC for a while um, before being approached by the head of sales productivity and enablement in Asia to help run special projects, which again was pretty much out of my marketing remit, but something that I was really passionate about. And it meant that I got to gain a, a really deep appreciation for the sales process because those special projects included things like sales leader excellence training programs it included um it included spiffs for sales teams so you know how to how to build momentum around a particular product um one of the i guess feathers in my in my bow around that particular role was being faced again with a challenge which was this new product that we'd purchased was, oh, sorry, we'd acquired this new product and had put that through the sales organization with the standard training that we were delivering, but revenue was really light and the salespeople weren't overly confident in selling that. So what we did was we created a, um, what we called a um, EMC Ready, which was a training program, which helped to promote the articulation of that particular proposition. So we'd moved from this like physical hardware company to the software organization. And so it was really different for salespeople to be able to articulate that story. So this training transitioned from being um, online where you could skip the actual training program, go to the end, um, blag your way through a, a quick questionnaire, and then you were certified in that technology to being about having to articulate in person with your colleagues the pitch and be judged on that pitch. And if you didn't get it right, you didn't qualify. So suddenly you you weren't EMC ready anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and what, what that did was, it, I mean, it obviously put a lot of pressure on the, on the team, but in a positive way. So everyone was able to tell the right story through this mm-hmm. training. And 
revenue increased because we were able to articulate and articulate that in market. So that was a program that we started in Asia, um, led by led by me and. Um, the corporate team actually said, wow, this is actually really working. We're going to roll it out. And it's still the standard training methodology for um, the business now. So, you know, that was um, really exciting to be a part of. Definitely. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And then and then in 2008, I moved back to New Zealand, as I mentioned. And I moved with with EMC, but very quickly got over the, the, the international travel required in the role, um, yeah. being in an Asian team. And so I decided to work for Kiwi companies based in New Zealand who um, had a global reach. So I worked for Orion Health as the VP of uh, global marketing, and I had a team of 12 marketers all around the world. So that was a really interesting challenge, especially um, as in the States, we were in the Obamacare money stage of, of um, that life cycle. Um, and we had to, we had to very, we had a very short window where we very quickly had to influence the market um, and educate the market as to why they needed our technology. So that was a really exciting gig. Um, and then I had the opportunity to move into Jade Software. So that um, at the time of the Wynyard split. Mm -hmm. um, they were rebuilding the marketing function, but also their entire culture. You know, they'd, they'd literally split the business in half. So they were having to um, reinvent themselves. So the, the culture was really broken and I had a really exciting opportunity to be part of um, helping to recreate that and re-envisage that, re-envision that. Um, so I, um, I had this challenge, you know, Jade had always been known as a company of innovation and we'd lost that, we'd lost the spirit of that with Wynyard being spun out. So we came up, um, some colleagues of mine and I came up with this crazy program called the Thinkubator. Um, and it was a dragon's den of sort that sorts, it was elongated over a period of time, for over about an eight week period, where um, people were, um, they put themselves into some teams, they had to come up with a pitch, they would pitch their idea around a business problem that we would yeah. we would give them. Um, there would be uh, an external panel of judges who would judge them, judge the uh, entries. And we normally had about a dozen entries from 200 yeah. people. Um, and the three finalists were flown to Christchurch to pitch in person to the judges, obviously pre-COVID days. Um, yeah. and, <laughs> and that was really successful over I think, the four-year period that we ran that of reinvigorating the sense of innovation and ideation within the organization. So successful that we actually commercialized the framework and we sold it into some of our clients because again, as I mentioned, it was really successful of really igniting that culture of innovation. Yeah. So after six years at Jade, I felt like a change. Um, and so in my role at Jade had been working with some partners and some of the customers that we worked with in a consulting capacity. Um, so was providing some marketing and brand strategy overlay. So I decided to try my hand um, as a consultant. So over the last three and a half years, I've been a virtual CMO where I've been creating strategy with senior leaders, representing marketing to the board and coaching and ment mentoring some amazing teams. So that's how I've landed where I am. Wow, that's really impressive. You've really had a, a huge range of roles as well and trying to avoid sales, but it definitely kept coming after you <laughs> in every role, I guess. You know, being able to work well with people, it en enables you to have a sales focus and have that alignment between sales and marketing, which is definitely a, a core part of marketing today. Absolutely. Um, what is your favourite part of market 
impacting in the tech sector specifically? Technology moves so quickly. It's constantly changing. So I think the need to keep up with the trends and what's happening, not just here, but globally is really important. And I really love that. And I think that then leads itself to being really agile to the market as it moves. And you're so right about in your comment of um, sales and marketing alignment and the roles that I've had have really shown me that if you keep the customer central to everything that you do, regardless of industry, really, um, you, everybody's kind of in sales, right? Because yeah. you're, you're influencing the customer the entire time. Yeah. I think the other thing that I really love um, about marketing and tech is that um, we are myopically focused on the customer throughout their life cycle in marketing. And, and that's not necessarily something that you get um, in a B2C role because you are more siloed and specifically focused on your particular function but as tech marketers we're usually more generalist and having to think about that and be involved in that entire buying process over time mm. and often it's not just it, not, it doesn't just end when you know you sell the product it's ongoing it's that nurturing as well um exactly. that tech side. <laughs> what do you believe is the biggest challenge uh, for tech marketers in new zealand well i can think of a few um one being that we have to be really creative with small budgets and often really big targets. Mm. Um, you know, we don't have unlimited coffers and so therefore we have to be really creative. Another challenge is often dealing with entrepreneurial type CEOs who don't always have an understanding of the true value of marketing. So I've found that I've often had to sell that. Yeah. Um, and then there's massive global competition so we need to be really really clear on what our value to market is so again a challenge but a really great challenge to have yes definitely um what you could say one of them or you have you might have multiple but what are the biggest lessons you've learned um as a tech marketer so as you probably heard, um, my career has been relatively checkered and that it hasn't kind of followed a linear marketing line. So one of the things I'd say is get involved in projects outside of your remit. It's so important to extend your knowledge, to gain that appreciation of the customer through each stage of the buyer's journey rather than just you know sticking to your marketing knitting. I think that's really important. Yeah. Um, I think the other thing which has been pivotal to my career is EQ or emotional intelligence. Yeah. When I first started out of my career, I was very focused on um, driving to a senior position early. So my very first job within about a month of being there, I went to my boss and I said, what do I need to do to be in your seat? Like, what are the steps? What are the things I need to learn? And then within another very short period of time, went to his boss and said, okay, so if I did all these things, what do I have to do to be in your seat? Yeah. And what I didn't realize is that that was actually quite polarizing for some of the people around me, mm -hmm. even though I had this, um, this perception of myself that I was very inclusive and friendly and warm. Mm -hmm. Others who saw that kind of aggressive career progression thought that I was a bit abrasive. So really interesting. So I think... EQ is really important to success and I was working for a manager his name's Robert O'Donovan probably one of the best managers I've ever had or leaders I've ever had because he was constructively critical <laughs> about <laughs> my work and that's challenging you know it's absolutely challenging 
one day he said to me, look, I think you need to go on this course. I'm like, cool, I'm up for learning. I'll go on a course, went on a course and went into the room. There was probably 14 of us. And out of the 14 of us, I was the only female, but I was also <laughs> absolutely gobsmacked that the rest of the people in the room were probably white middle-aged males yeah. and all very atypical personalities and I'm like whoa okay this is another shock to me I didn't realize that I was perceived in this way yeah and that and category this, yeah and this course was all about EQ and I didn't I had no idea what EQ was and so learning about EQ and how to influence without authority bring people on my journey and stay very very aware of what other people are doing, how that impacts our overall good, not just my focus on my career and where I was going and being really great at my job, that actually saw me jump from being a marketing manager to a senior leader in a very short period of time. So I got some additional coaching uh, around EQ specifically and made sure that I could master that. And it's definitely something that you can learn. So I think you know, as a marketer in general, as a business person in general, EQ is definitely the key to success. So next question, and you've kind of touched on it a little bit, but what are your three pieces of advice for new marketers starting out in the tech sector? Like they say they've just graduated, they're going into their first role. What would be three pieces of advice that you would give them or give your younger self, you know, if you look at, take it from that perspective? So apart from not dancing on the table at the Christmas party. That, that one always gets you every time, right? Always, always. <laughs> so personal brand is really important, absolutely. And we've spoken about that. That's all, I think, part of EQ. Um, I would say get a mentor and get a mentor really early. And I know we're going to talk about that a little bit more because I'm very passionate about that. Um, you know, advice and support and having your challenge, uh, having your thinking challenged in a really safe space is important to so get a mentor. I think the other thing is ensuring that you get a buy-in from senior leaders, whether that's your direct manager or their manager or whoever it happens to be. Um, you know, market, marketing is this amazing melting pot of lots of different components. And you've probably heard me, Brittany, talk about my cake baking analogy, but it's so true and it's so useful with senior leaders. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the cake baking analogy is, you don't put an egg in the oven and expect to get a chocolate gatto. No. You put a blend of scientific ingredients and different weights and stages and at varying costs, you put all of those things in the oven and you get a beautiful gatto. Marketing is, is exactly the same. There isn't necessarily a direct correlation from $1 spent to $10 earned. It is a blend of all of the different great things that we do in marketing that will get you a sale. So I find that analogy really useful in being able to get buy-in from senior leaders about you know, the marketing mix that is necessary to influence a customer. And then lastly, I would say proof is in the data. So always, always prove that what you're doing has a direct correlation to an output, whether that be, you know, whether that be leads or not, or, you know, the content's successful because of this. So data is always really, really important and the, the proof that you need to be bigger and better. Yeah, and it's quite often, you know, talking about the data thing, and I was having a chat to a colleague of mine the other day, it's actually, you know, data in and data out. So the information mm -hmm. that you're, you know, whether you've got a tech stack and you're, what information you're putting into your system and then 
how you're transforming that information so that the directors understand or your top management understand what you're getting out of it because you can have all this stats and all these numbers but if you actually can't resonate with them for them to understand the benefits that the business are going to get you know that that's a challenge as well Mm -hmm. um what have been some of the more considerable challenges that you have had to overcome in tech marketing that really stand out for you um and how did you tackle those so one of them would be predicting the market. Like, how do you know, how do you know where it's going to lead? You know, we're in technology, we're generally working in a relatively nascent market, right? So how do you know? How, how do you predict the market? And one way to solve that is to involve the customer at every stage. So, you know, I know that in product development, you know, having the customer centric to what you're doing is really important to build roadmap of, of future um, initiatives or future features, but that's also true of marketing. So having a voice of customer element weaved into your marketing is really, really important. An example of that um, through a net promoter score process where you hear feedback from the customer and one of the clients I'm working with now, they've never had that. So they never had that direct negative or positive feedback from the customer. So we ran our first survey and what we heard from the customer was they had this massive education gap around the platform and what it could do. So by creating a knowledge base and answering the basic questions that they had, we were able to have them self-serve and close that knowledge gap, which was really easy and and didn't take a lot of time, right? So I think having that voice of customer integrated to everything that you do is really important to help you predict the market and and where to go. Um, A couple of other things, dealing with difficult feedback, having, you know, somebody, one of the sales managers I worked with in the past just say, this is shit. okay well why is that shit I don't know it's just shit and you know that's really hard to deal with when you don't have any constructive feedback so I um I ended up dragging him into the boardroom sitting him down after you know a bucket of tears very early on in my career and saying hey look this isn't helpful for me I need to understand why and dig and asked a bunch more questions to figure out why so had that really open dialogue and it actually saw our relationship improve and our overall go-to-market improve because we were working better as a team so dealing with difficult feedback is always tough and then having my team cut um you know that's really tough because as a leader you care and you care about you know the people in your team and if you have to make those horrible decisions of you know having to reduce your team because of a corporate you know initiative or a corporate directive it sucks so the other thing around the back end of that is balancing expectations of execution with reduced resources so again that open clear line of communication and expectation setting up the chain is is important but yeah having my team cut hurts me so thankfully it hasn't happened very often but it has happened so yeah (laughs) a challenge yeah I bet Um, we're talking a little about you we touched a little bit um, you mentioned that we're going to talk about the mentoring and I'd just like to kind of start on that conversation because um, why did you decide to be an NZ tech mentor? So I've had a number of mentors through my career and I had a really really great mentor when I was working at the MC one of the things that I did off the back of that beautiful constructive criticism around my lack of EQ at that time um, was very quickly jumping into a mentor relationship, mentee relationship with somebody who was an expert 
in EQ and influence without authority. So I had such a great experience of working with, with him um, and learning more about how I could improve that I thought, you know what, I've had 25 years experience in marketing and specifically in tech and, you know, why not pay it forward? Yeah. And as one of the founding members of TMG, um, you know, there was a bunch of us that would get together once a month and have lunch and chat about some of the challenges we were facing and trends and et cetera. Um, and, you know, that obviously became a big table and now it's, you know, multi-hundred people table, which is fantastic. Yeah. You know, one of the remits of TMG and why I really loved being involved from the start is that we get to pay it forward. Mm. And I think being a tech mentor um, definitely helps um, me pay it forward. And I guess as well, jumping on that as well, adds, you know, we're improving the marketers coming coming into these businesses as well. Absolutely. Um, so just extending on that a little bit, what is your favorite part of being a TMG mentor? You know, if you could just pick one thing, what would it be? I know well, it's, hard, it's a hard question. <laughs> it's, it's hard because it's not just one thing. Um, but if I was to say one thing, and it's extending from what you've just said, it's seeing people embrace the ideas that we talk about and being successful as a consequence, right? And just seeing the mentee that you're working with grow and bloom and be this amazing human in their organization because you've, we've been able to come up with some really great solutions to problems and they've embraced that and applied that. And I think for me, um, I get as much learning from the mentee as yeah. they do from me so I think yeah embracing the ideas and seeing them be successful is is awesome and then selfishly you know I get to learn some cool stuff as well yeah definitely and I guess um another question that kind of extends on that as well is what um top three things should you expect from a mentoring program um from your perspective so as a mentor yeah. yep as a mentor yep so as a mentor um I would say be prepared to have your thinking challenged because <laughs> I definitely I have definitely had my thinking challenged. I've met some crazy smart people. So you end up building this amazing network of really, really great humans because people who are looking for a mentor are obviously really hungry to learn and grow. Yeah. And be open to learning something new. Yeah. Because yeah. I've learned heaps through my mentoring experience. Definitely. And on from the other side, I guess, what can mentorees, you know, from their perspective, what should they expect when they, you know, you, they go on the TMG website, they see that we've got a mentoring program, they mm -hmm. sign up for it and they get partnered with someone in their region, you know, what should they expect from this program? Yeah, great question. I think they need to understand they lead the dialogue. So not just to turn up and expect to be told what to do, they lead the dialogue. So, um, they need to ask lots of questions and be prepared to be challenged. Mm -hmm. um, and also thirdly, action what you learn. Make sure that you embrace the ideas, you try them on, and you actually put that stuff into action. Yeah, so I guess if someone did sign up to the TMG mentoring program, what advice would you give them before starting that program? Mm -hmm. You know, what should they come to the first meeting with? You know, what sort of ideas or questions mm -hmm. or anything like that from your perspective yeah sure so be really clear on what you want out of the sessions because like I said they you lead the dialogue as a mentee so be clear on on what you want to get out of that um, I would 
suggest coming with two or three questions mm-hmm. um, already prepared so that that starts the dialogue. Yeah. Um, and also don't expect to hear all of the answers. Like you'll probably have homework to go away and figure out and dig more into. Yeah. And then the other thing I'd say is be brave to bring your ideas because you have things to impart and pass on to. And, you know, as a mentor, I've learned so much from mentees. So please, you know, if that would be my biggest piece of advice is just to bring your ideas to. Yeah. And that kind of touches on my next question, which is what is some advice for marketers to get the most out of their mentoring time? So you've touched on the questions, um, but is there any other points that you'd like to add in? You've kind of already touched on it, but I thought I'd add in that question anyway. Yeah, I think, like I said before, be really prepared um, in terms of what you want to get out of the session. Um, So the best mentoring Um, engagements I've had are where mentees have come with those structured questions and they've actually thought about why they had that question so if there was a problem why that problem exists what they'd done before so having some doing some preparation around that is important to get the most out of the dialogue Um, another thing is um, some of the time we've read books together so we you know we read a chapter of a book and got together and talked about that um, specifically to the challenges that they're facing so for me um, it was around EQ as I mentioned so my mentor at the time we were reading this EQ book and you know we'd, we'd talk about what we'd read and you know challenged each other's thinking so I think being really prepared is is the main advice I would give yeah okay and do you have any other comments about mentoring or the TMG mentoring program or anything um, that you want to add I would shamelessly plug the TMG mentoring program because as a member of TMG it's free and you have access to such a wealth of knowledge and some of the senior leaders but also the junior marketers you know they've got so much to, to give so even if you know you're a seasoned marketer and you're you know you've got a digital marketing challenge then why not pair up with somebody who's a who's a pro in digital marketing and learn loads right so I don't think you necessarily have to be old and stay to be a mentor no. or you know old and experienced as a mentor um but you know ultimately just do it be a mentor get a mentor regardless of your age and stage and it's just so useful to learn from others so yeah get amongst and it's like it's like that old saying you don't know what you don't know and until you jump in you know there's just a range of expertise that you can take advantage of really um so then kind of the next step I really want to talk about is just some advice you've been in the in the game for quite a long time um do you have any advice for emerging tech marketers or those looking to hire their first tech marketer Oh, okay. The two flip sides of a coin. I would say from um, somebody who's hiring, take a calculated risk on someone up and coming and accept that they won't know everything. Um, I'd test their aptitude and general appetite for learning. That's really important because then they'll grow as part of the organization. And one way to test that is to provide an assignment as part of your interview process. I think that's a really cool way to try each other out. Um, And for the person you're hiring to to try on the type of work that you would be expecting them to do and as an emerging leader I'd say be brave and get amongst other areas of the business you know I've had the really exciting fortunate experience of being able to work across the business in absolutely crazy different teams you know innovation and factory and corporate and all sorts (laughs) Or sales, yeah, well, we don't mention sales. Um, we're all in sales, we're all in sales. Um, and I actually love sales and I love alignment with sales. But yeah, I'd, I'd just say, um, yeah, be really brave about doing other things outside of your day job. You know, go and 
sit in a, in a project team and weigh in on something completely random. Um, it, it absolutely extends your um, your learning and knowledge, but also builds your personal brand within the organization and makes you really, really valuable as an employee. So yeah, do that. Perfect. And lastly, who are some tech marketers you admire and why? And is there anyone that you think would be quite good to showcase next on the TMG podcast? Oh, there's so many great marketers. Um, to rattle off a few, Fiona Creswell, if you haven't already had her on, she's amazing, especially around building brand. Um, so really love her articulation of brand story. Uh, Michael Fredberg, he's fantastic around marketing strategy and understanding how to, you know, the right elements at the right stages to, to build around strategy. Yeah. Um, one of the people I have the fortune of working with at the moment is a guy called Nate Whitaker. He's probably one of the best growth marketers I've ever experienced in my career. And I think some of our emerging leaders in TMG have had the um, benefit of his knowledge. So absolutely um, tip into his font of, of wisdom. Um, and then Max Johns, um, he's probably the most passionate content marketer I've ever, ever worked with, speaks internationally on content strategy. Um, he's really fascinating to listen to and probably um, the person in any one of my teams throughout my career who has challenged and expanded my thinking the most. So very, um, very much respect Max. So I think he'd be amazing on. And then of course, all the amazing marketers of had to work with in my career would be um, would be great on on the podcast on a podcast. Oh, wonderful, <laughs> thank you. I might do we follow on LinkedIn so I can see what those guys are up to. So thanks for coming along, Caroline. You've shared some fantastic insights, and I'm sure our listeners feel the same. It's quite impressive the career you've had so far, um, and all the different roles and the expertise that you have. So we really appreciate your time. Um, if you have any further questions for Caroline, um, please get in touch. How can our listeners reach you? You know, do you have a LinkedIn that they can follow? Yes, or? yep. I have a LinkedIn um, and I'm also on the TMG About Us page with my contact details there. So please, yeah, reach out. I'd love to connect with you. Yeah, and if you'd like to reach out to us at Tech Marketers Group, you fi- you'll find our website and social media accounts in the show notes. And for more tech marketing content, be sure to like this episode and give us a follow. Until next time. <laughs>